20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here today. Let's kick things off right away with a updated injury report. Had the opportunity to attend practice on Tuesday. Now, we don't have a full injury designation, and Matt LaFleur did not talk after practice, so these are just observations from the open portion of practice on Tuesday. The biggest one is that Eric Stokes is back practicing. This means that they opened up his practice window doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be ready to go this week. In fact, I'd be fairly surprised if he was ready to go and play this week, but it does open up that practice window for him. It's great to see him back at practice. You can see him and Jair Alexander uh, pretty geeked up about it. They were, you know, doing their thing and, and, you know, celebrating. You could tell that uh, Stokes was back practicing. So that was fun to see, but just great to see Eric back in practicing in any capacity. He had been uh, on the pup list and, you know, was not able to practice up until this point, but now he is officially back and practicing with the team. So we'll see how quickly they ramp him up from that injured list, but just great to see him back and practicing. In addition, other players who were practicing included Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins, and Luke Musgrave. Remember, Jair Alexander was out last week with a bad back. Elton Jenkins, the sprained MCL, and Luke Musgrave had the concussion in the game. Now, it sounds like Musgrave is still in concussion protocol in some capacity, but the fact that he was out there with a helmet on doing individual drills is a great sign for his potential availability on Monday Night Football. As far as Jair, he did practice a little bit last week, so it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a precursor to him playing for sure, but it is a very good sign that on Tuesday's practice, he was out there. Now, we don't know if he did team drills or not, but even still out there practicing in the individual portion. And then Elton Jenkins, I think they're going to give him every opportunity to play Monday night against the Raiders. They desperately need him back. There is another player at the same position that is not practicing, and that is John Runyon Jr. He was with the rehab group. So it could very well mean that they are very much in need of you know, Elton Jenkins to go if it all possible. I'm sure they'd love to give him another week with the bye week coming up, but if he can play, they very much may need him to play. Otherwise, you could be looking at a situation where you have Royce Newman and Sean Ryan starting at guard or potentially have to put Zach Tom at guard and start Yash Nyman at, at uh, right tackle, which just starts the musical chairs and you don't want to do that. So if there's any way that Jenkins can make it back this week, that would be huge for Green Bay. So again, Stokes back from the pup. Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins, and Luke Musgrave all practicing with the rehab group. As I mentioned, John Runyon Jr., he had the ankle injury, so we're not exactly sure what he is going to be able to do if he's able to come back and practice this week. But again, he was with the rehab group. Luke Tenuta, who is on injured reserve, but he was still with the rehab group. Normally, I wouldn't necessarily note note that too much, but he is eligible to be brought back from IR now. So at any point that Green Bay wants to return him from injury, they can do so, but he was not practicing and was still with the rehab group. So he remains on IR, at least as of recording of this video. And then Zane Anderson with the rehab group as well, not doing anything that I could see, not doing rehab work and just basically off to the side was Devondre Campbell. And there was no uh, sign of Rudy Ford. Don't know if it was an injury situation. Don't know if he was out personal, whatever, as of recording this and as of practice, there was just, I, I, we, at least I did not see him at practice in any capacity. So, and I know he didn't practice just, I don't, maybe somebody else saw him at practice, just not practicing, but he definitely was not with the safety group or in more up. So just to recap one more time, Stokes is back from Pup. 
practicing players coming back from injury, including Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins, and Luke Musgrave. Rehab group, John Running Jr., Luke Tenuta, and Zane Anderson. Didn't see Devondre Campbell doing anything and did not see Rudy Ford in any capacity. Uh, that brings us to our main topic for today, and that's going to be the 10 things that we have learned through the first four weeks of this season. It's been an interesting season, and there's it's it's hard to put like a complete 100% stamp on a lot of things because it's only four games and it's been a really weird disjointed four games. You can caveat a lot of this like in week one, it's just the Bears or it's only four weeks or like the offense didn't exactly get a ton of plays in their last few games. Like there's so many different ways that you can view this and look at it. So there's a lot of season left that's still going to define plenty about this young Packers team. But I think there's 10 things specifically that we have learned about this team so far. And that number one, we'll start with the most important aspect of this entire season, and that's Jordan Love. And what I will say is Jordan Love is a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. As far as what above and beyond that we know, I think is still up in the ether and we just don't know at this point. But there was question going into the year of, is this guy even a legitimate starter? Or is he just sort of this, he was a first round pick and you need to see him play. And he's sort of a spot holder until they start going in another direction. That does not seem to be the case at all. Now, a starting NFL quarterback just means that you're one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. And I do very much believe that Jordan Love is one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm also willing to say pretty vehemently at this point, at this point in time, he's not a top 10 quarterback. So where he lies between numbers 11 and 32 is what this season is going to be about. And, and even if he can maybe get higher than that will remain to be seen as well. I'm not saying that he's limited to being 11 through 32 the remainder of this year or his career. I'm just saying as of right now, all we know is that he's a legitimate starting quarterback. And the difference being is that if you're ending up as a top five, top eight to 10 quarterback, you're giving your team a chance to be in the Super Bowl conversation year in and year out. If you're somewhere between 11 and 20, you might be able to help your team win the Super Bowl or the, maybe more importantly, the team might be able to win a Super Bowl with you, but they're not going to be able to win a Super Bowl because of you. And if you're somewhere between 21 and 32, or even I would say probably 17 to 32, you're, pro you're a starting quarterback, but you're a starting quarterback that the team is always sort of keeping an eye out of like, can we upgrade this in some way or somehow? So we don't know where Jordan is going to end up in that pecking order, not only just here, but you know through time, like over the next couple of seasons. But what we have learned is that he is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. He There is some really fun flashes that show his legitimate high-end upside. There are some things that may hold him back and that partially is quarterback accuracy and just consistency. But still early to judge any of those things long-term, other than that we know he's a legitimate starting quarterback, he looks the part, and now it's just going to be how far can he develop and how high on that ranking list can he get, not only this year, but through the course of his career. Number two, and maybe the most disappointing thing that we've learned so far this season, is that David Bakhtiari's knee remains an absolute unmitigated nightmare. <clears throat> we don't know if he's ever going to play again. As of recording this, we don't know if he's going to play again this season. There is an open locker room availability on Tuesday that this is recorded prior to. So maybe he talked in the locker room and shared with the team, whatever. Maybe he is sure that he's out for the year, that he's, who knows? I just don't even want to speculate at this point, but I'm assuming that, you know, by the time you guys are listening to this, that we've heard something more from Bakhtiari, but either way, we do know that he is going to remain injured. 
and that his knee just remains a nightmare. The fact that he had to have more surgeries just shows that this is not where it needs to be, that he's trying everything in his power to get back in playing, but it's it's brutal. It's beyond brutal. 2020, December 2020 injury that is still lingering in October 2023, almost three years later from the date of injury, this is still a massive issue. And we can talk about another time about how Green Bay rolled you know, money into guarantees for Bakhtiari. That was probably extremely unwise based on his injury. We can talk about how maybe Green Bay should have been a little bit more prepared to have a left tackle ready to go if this situation did arise. And we can argue if Rasheed Walker can be that or not. But Green Bay now has the daunting task of replacing a longtime left tackle, dominant player when he was healthy and in his prime to now being year three of, uh, beyond year three, because what, 21, 22, and now 23 plus part of 2020, like it's it just sucks all the way around. But unfortunately, that's the one big thing that we did learn is that there is no end in sight to this Bakhtiari issue. He will likely never be the same player that he was. He's never going to be able to be counted on to play a full season. And he might never play a snap for Green Bay ever again. So it sucks. It's brutal. But that's one more thing that we learned is that that knee not healthy, not even anywhere near it was where it was last year. We was able to play the majority of the season, just a unmitigated nightmare all the way around. Number three, the Packers, unsurprisingly, still cannot stop the run. This I did a whole episode on this in the offseason of my biggest worry for Green Bay, and I got some pushback of like, well, TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt are going to take a step, and they drafted Lucas Van Ness and those sort of things. There was just no realistic possibility that this team could have gone from the you know one of the worst run defenses in football to a solid to good run defense. It was so hard to imagine. There was all the talk of, oh, this is going to be a more aggressive attacking style defense under Joe Barry. That sounds good. You have to be able to get off blocks. You have to be able to play a physical brand of football. And there was nothing to tell me that Green Bay was all of a sudden going to flip a switch overnight and be like, hey, we're a physical dominating run defense team now. That's just not who they are. And you look at this front, it is almost entirely made up. This entire defense is almost entirely made up of players who played for Green Bay consistently a season ago, from Savage to Amos to uh, Jair Alexander and Razul Douglas to Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker to all the, all of the edge rushers. And you can argue of like, except Lucas Van Ness, which we'll get to, you can argue that, you know, Rashawn Gary coming back from injury is going to be great. But the Packers run defense was brutal before Rashawn Gary went down with an injury last year. And yes, TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt are going to play more. Slayton, I think, has been okay in run defense, but Devontae Wyatt, not exactly known for a top-tier run defender. In fact, that's why he couldn't get on the field in 2022 more often. So the three new additions that you're looking to add to try to fix this run defense, Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wooden, and Carl Brooks. And Brooks and Wooden are rookies who are more gap-penetrating pass rush specialists on the defensive line, not stout run defenders. So is Lucas Van Ness going to be the guy that just all of a sudden makes this go from one of the worst run defenses in football to a solid to good run defense? I will say that LVN's played pretty decently against the run, but that's not going to fix it in and of itself. This is a mentality. This is about how many players you play in the box. This is about, yes, playing a more attacking style, but more importantly, a more physical brand of football. There was nothing that you could have pointed to that it was like, yep, this is going to be a good run defense now. And they could be improved, which theoretically and technically they have been. They allowed five yards per carry a season to go on the ground. And guess what? 
raised the banner. They're only allowing 4.5 yards on the ground so far this season, but it's not been good enough. They've allowed two 200-yard games on the ground in the last three weeks. It's just, it's a bad run defense and there's nothing still that you can point to that makes you believe that they're all of a sudden going to get better over the remainder of this season. So that has to do with scheme, that has to do with mentality, that has to do with players playing better, but that also has to do with like the type of players that you're drafting and needing more physical, jerkish type players that are going to set the tone up front and be able to actually stop the run to get you in some of those third and long situations. So we have learned once again that this defense still cannot stop the run and I don't see that changing anytime in the near future. The fourth thing that we've learned is that this Packers special team still is not anything special. There are positives, one of which that we will go over in just a moment, but obviously the the field goal kicking, the extra points, and even the punting to some extent, but the punt coverage, they've already allowed a touchdown. There've been some huge penalties, the Quay Walker uh, field goal snafu where he jumps over the player and breaks a very clear and obvious rule. Like those are things that cannot happen. They haven't been explosive as a kick return team. You know, Keyshawn had a nice punt return last week. I think Jaden's had one decent punt, like really nice punt return so far. But overall, this is a below average 24th to 25th best special teams in the NFL sort of special teams. And that's not good enough. And I talked about it a little bit yesterday with Rich Basashi saying it's a work in progress. That can't be, that's, that's not good enough. That can't be the case. There are too many players that are on this roster that are special teams core players to just be like, ah, it's a work in progress. No, you have to be able to put together a average. That's all we're asking for at this point in average special teams, the 16th best special teams. Keyshawn Nixon continues to return it from nine yards deep into his end zone to like the 16 yard line. You can't have Jordan Love in this young offense. They can't block starting at their 16 all the time. So special teams needs to get cleaned up. It's still a problem. And like I said, what we've learned here is that the Packers special teams still is not special. So you guys really need to make Little Caesars, which is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day routine. Pizza is the ultimate game day food. There is no question about it. If there's one thing that rivals my love for the Green Bay Packers and my love of football, it's my love of pizza. And right now you can actually order online during their pizza pizza pregame. It's one hour before NFL games and you can get ready for football, fun, choose your favorite little Caesars pizza, pick the toppings that you crave. Me, this is going to sound weird. I know because you know uh, my pickiness with food. I love mushroom and onion. That is my absolute favorite pizza. I know it's probably not everyone else's. And of course, you know you love my food takes, but I love mushroom and onion pizza. I love it from Little Caesars. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone's going to score with convenient delivery. They also have their in-store pizza portal. So you can pick up, you can grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Trust me, you're going to love it. And, And if I have to recommend one thing for sure, have to get the crazy bread. The crazy bread is an absolute must. Enjoy it. Enjoy your game day and enjoy it more with Little Caesars. So many of you probably know that Damian Lillard was just traded to the Milwaukee Bucks. And as soon as I found out, I had to get opening day tickets immediately. And I will be there at that game because I use game time and even got to use code pack a day for $20 off, which made it even more sweet. The process was so insanely simple. They have these flash deals and you can click on the different areas of the stadium to see which prices are available. You can see the actual view of the seats. It was hassle-free and just super, super simple. GameTime is the place for last-minute ticket deals as well. You can forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The GameTime guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find 
find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without all the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Packaday for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Packaday for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means. It's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing, and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's go through some positives. Number five, Rashawn Gary is freaking back. Now, not with a full complement of snaps, but there was there's always the concern or the wonder of like, all right, is he going to be the same player as he was prior to the... He is better. He has been on an absolute tear. He's got four sacks already. Should have another had it not been for a penalty on the defense. He has been almost unblockable as a pass rusher. And I've seen people be like, have you seen... Like, he hasn't really impacted the game. He's playing like 20 snaps. And yes, that will need to ramp up and he'll need to show that he can continue to play really good football when playing 50 snaps and not just 20. But I mean, man, to be back from an ACL already and playing at the level that he's playing at, he's shown off the ability to be physical, to convert speed to power, to attack the quarterback. He knocked the quarterback out of a game already. He looks insanely good. The game against the Falcons, he had the play where he you know, didn't read the run right or was probably a little bit over aggressive, didn't maintain his spot and Razul got after him. But Outside of that one play, this has been a really, really strong start to the season for a guy that's coming off an ACL that looks better than he did prior to going out via injury. He is back and it's been really exciting to see. Number six, Zach Tom is a legitimate starting offensive tackle. And we can talk about the run blocking where I would argue Zach Tom is fine. He's not good. He's not great, but he's fine as a run blocker, but he's extremely good as a pass protector. He was going through his, like the injury this week. Like you could tell he wasn't at hundred percent. And even then he didn't have a terrible game against the Lions. It wasn't his A plus game, but it was probably like a C, C minus from Zach Tom. And even that was like, okay, it was fine. But in all the other games, he looked extremely good at right guard to the point where you didn't want to move him back inside and move him around because he's been so good at right tackle. So Green Bay has, you know, with all the questions surrounding David Bakhtiari, they at least have one of their tackles set now with Zach Tom playing right tackle. I wouldn't move him around too much. I would keep him in that spot, but he has looked awesome. And he looks the part of a, you know, 10 to 12 year starting offensive tackle in the league and has really taken a jump in his second year. Number seven, Anders Carlson, he can kick and he looks like a legitimate NFL kicker. Now, I don't have any, you know, sort of, you know, real feel like that this is just going to stay this way forever and he's just going to keep making all of his kicks. 
I think there's still going to be some bumps in the road for unders through the course of the season. And I'm sure we're probably due for a missed extra point or field goal here or there, but you can see the upside. You can see the talent. He's played far better in games than he has in practices and in training camp. Maybe part of that is just due to him having a consistent long snapper and holder. Maybe it's just that he figured out something and found his rhythm. And now he's just, you know, pounding the ball right through the uprights every single time. But either way, Anders Carlson looks legit. It looks like he was a worthwhile fifth round pick. And up until this point, uh, it's really been maybe the Packers' most consistent player to start the season, which is crazy to think about. So really nice pick so far for Brian Gutekinds with Anders Carlson becoming the new kicker of the Green Bay Packers. Number eight, we've sort of discussed this in the ability to stop the run and run the football. And we've talked about it ad nauseum this week. So I'm not going to go into too much more detail here, but Green Bay is lacking a much needed physical play style period. And we saw even this week, like we talked about a week ago of like, Hey, there's more than one way to win in the NFL. We're seeing the Miami dolphins play a more speed finesse style of offense. And they're certainly playing at a very high level. Well, we got to see dolphins bills and the bills punched the dolphins in the mouth and they had trouble in that game. And the bills basically boat raced them in Buffalo. And I think Miami's still going to be a good team. And I do still think there's more than one way to win in the NFL. But right now, you better be able to play a physical brand of football, specifically in the trenches. Teams are getting better and better at not allowing explosive plays, and you need to be able to be able to go up and down the field, play consistent on the offensive line, stop the run on the other side, and make teams get into those third and long situations. And right now, Green Bay has not been for a while now. Your meat and potatoes, your eat your vegetables sort of team, they want to get into the sexy downs. They want to get into their pass offense. They want to get into their you know big plays and some of the, the trick plays that they're doing. And they want to get to on defense, you know the, the third and longs, which of course every team wants to get to. But you have to do the dirty work on early downs to put yourself in advantageous situations to be able to do the sexy stuff on offense. If you can't run the ball, I know there is statistics and numbers that are going to say that play action is going to work no matter what. Go back to the interception to Christian Watson this past week. They're not honoring Green Bay's run as much. If they're if Green Bay's running the ball consistently, that linebacker is shooting hard up to the line of scrimmage and then is working his way back. He took almost like a full step up, almost as like, ah, just in case they run the ball, I guess I'll kind of take a step and then immediately shot back in pass coverage. Like they're not honoring Green Bay's run. And if you want to get into some really awesome situations to take those shot plays, if you can get into some second and twos, some third and ones, some second and ones, now those are great play action opportunities. And Green Bay can't get there because they can't run the ball. And again, if you do run the ball better, your play action game is going to work even better than what it's working for Green Bay so far. So they need to do that better. And on the defensive side, you want to be able to blitz and get into some of your more creative third down looks and packages and get the other team off the field you got to stop them in the running game on early downs and actually get them in third and long. So Green Bay needs to play a much more physical brand of football. They haven't done that so far. And that's certainly one of the things that we've learned through four games. And we'll stick with that. It's the same thing. So again, we're not going to go into too much more detail here, but number nine, Green Bay can't run the ball yet. I do think part of this was due to not having Aaron Jones. I do think a huger or larger part of this was not having Bakhtiari and Jenkins, but that doesn't matter you have to be able to go out and run the football in some capacity. Like Green Bay basically just, and I know it was 24 to three in a blink of an eye, but Green Bay basically just abandoned it against the Lions run defense. This is a team that has no confidence running any concept with running the football right now. Not power, not zone, not stretch, not anything. Not out of shotgun, not out of under center, not in running the option. It doesn't matter what they do. They cannot run the football. And part of that goes back to the physicality thing we just talked about. But 
talk about setting your young quarterback up and he hasn't failed clearly, but you're not setting him up for success when you can't run the football at all. Like that just puts a ton of pressure on Jordan Love and these young wide receivers to go up and step up knowing that the the opposing defense isn't going to honor your play action and running game quite as much and just puts so much pressure on Jordan and the receivers. So this is a team that has to find a way to run the football better. I do think getting Aaron Jones back in a larger capacity, assuming they actually use him, uh, that I do think that will help. But man, if they can't run the football, that like I said uh, this past week, it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And then number 10, the last thing that we learned, the roller coaster is real. This is a team that in moments in an 18-0 run against the Saints in the first three quarters against the Falcons and almost, well, I guess mostly the second half against the Bears can look like a really, really good football team that can almost convince you of like, I think they could make the playoffs and they maybe even could be a little frisky in the playoffs. Their good looks really good, but their bad looks really bad. Their bad makes you think like, oh my goodness, is this just going to be like a nightmare the rest of the year? Like it, it's so, so bad. And to the point where you go on a, you know, the Falcons go on a 13, nothing run in the fourth quarter where both the offense and the defense just completely self-implode. The Saints first three quarters is in absolute nightmare. And then they don't learn their lesson. And it's 24 to three in a blink of an eye against Green Bay in Green Bay for the Lions. The downs have looked extremely, extremely bad. The ups have looked really fun and really exciting. So strap in, understand that this is going to continue to be a massive roller coaster of the season. I could see them losing to the Bears and beating the Chiefs. That's the type of roller coaster season this is. And we talked about it all off season long. You have volatility with this team. There are very few things in Green Bay right now that you can lean on and say, we can do this. The defense is basically the same Joe Barry defense. The special teams looks like the same special teams we've seen for years. The offense has some really fun stuff, but some really not so great things. And Jordan Love looks like at times, like he's almost like a rhythm thrower where if he gets going, it looks really good. But when he is struggling, it looks really bad. All of this just screams up and down, volatility, roller coaster, whatever you want to call it. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Like I said, I think there are still going to be some really high highs on this season that make you go, oh man, the future could be really, really bright. And I think there's going to stay some really low lows that make you think, oh my God, just fire everything into the sun and start from scratch. But it will even out to somewhere in the middle. And what you want to see is in the last four games of the season, the last quarter of the season, when they play some really bad football teams, by the way, that they're playing their best football, that they're going out and showing what they're capable of and showing a much greater level of consistency towards the end than maybe what they're playing at right now. That is going to do it for me today. Just a really quick recap. The 10 things we've learned so far, Jordan Love's a starting quarterback. Bakhtiari's knee remains a absolute nightmare. The Packers can't stop the run. The special teams isn't special. Rashawn Gary's back. Zach Tom's a legitimate starting tackle. Anders Carlson looks like the real deal at kicker. The Packers are lacking a much needed physical play style. Green Bay cannot run the ball and the roller coaster is very, very real. Shout out to our newest all pro member, Lori Lord. If you haven't checked out Packaday podcast memberships yet, make sure to do so. Subscribe, like, comment, do all the things that help the podcast out. That would be greatly appreciated. Shout out to our hall of fame and all pro members, most hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Bradad, Arnaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Donald Lee, and now Lori Lord as well. You guys are the best. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.